Well, um, I'm going to actually sit down and talk this morning. Um, and I'm going to grab something here. Um, you might have gotten an email from me this morning or this week about some some things happening. How many of us got my email? A little teaser? Yeah. It's a good way to get people to show up in church. I should do that more often. Every Sunday is going to be this major announcement, so you want to be here every Sunday. Uh, <laughs> um, so you're probably all wondering, what uh, is Pastor talking about? Um, I, uh, today's going to be a little different. If you came expecting you know, an expository sermon through John's Gospel, we're, we're not going to do that today. Uh, we may pick that up here at a later time. Um, but I want to just share some things that are, are going to affect the, the future of LifeSpring. And, and, uh, Eleven years ago, Yvonne and I uh, planted this church. We, uh, through many years of prayer and uh, seeking the Lord, sought his heart for a name for a church. We talked this, this morning about the song, Your Name. And the name that the Lord gave us was the name Lifespring. You may know this, maybe not, I don't know, but... The name Lifespring actually came from a passage in Scripture in Ezekiel 47, where the prophet is being led by an angel of the Lord. He's he's having a vision. And in that vision, there is a picture of a stream that starts at the Holy of Holies in the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. And it's this, this little trickle, it's this water, and then it, and it gets bigger, and it goes outside the temple, and it flows outside the temple grounds, and it keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then it flows out into the hillside, and the countryside, and it becomes this big, wide river, and it says it's a river that's so big that you can't even cross it. It has to be, you have to swim through it, or take a boat. But what's interesting about that river isn't that it's getting bigger, and that it is, you know, all of that, but what is interesting mostly about that river is what the river does. And the river, by the way, is a picture of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit does in a life, what the Holy Spirit does in a church that is submitted to the leadership of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because what that water does is it, it goes into the desert places, makes dead things alive. It goes to the wasted water, the salty water like the Dead Sea that, that doesn't give, doesn't, does not support any life. There's no fish or anything in it. It goes into those places and makes that icky water fresh. And in that water, fish grow and plants grow. And on the side of the banks of this river, there's trees. This is the picture in Ezekiel 47. I encourage you maybe today to go look at that. And it's a picture of what happens to a life when it is tapped into the source of life. Because with the Holy Spirit, there really is a river of life flowing out of me, out of you. And that's a picture of the river of life. That's the life spring. That's the name. One thing about that river is that where it goes, it changes things. It changes things. In, in, in ways that the things that it changed maybe even didn't want to be changed. But the Holy Spirit has a mind of his own. And there's a sovereignty to it. And, it, and he kind of goes where he wills. 
And that's, that's also one of the pictures of a, of a church. A church is a living organism. And because we are connected and sur- we're surviving by being connected to living water, one thing you can guarantee about living things is they change. Living things change. They grow. They expand. They reproduce. They have children. <laughs> and um, we're in a season of change. And I want to tell you about that. Good change. But difficult. You may have noticed that we've taken some trips to eastern Washington lately, my wife and I. And we did so at the request of Foursquare, our, uh, our denomination, my district supervisor. Uh, and I did so kind of out of obedience, I think, um, a little bit. And uh, they asked me if, if we would go and speak to a church over there. And uh, it's a little town. Lewiston and Clarkston, Washington. I don't know if you've ever been there. You can't, no one ever goes there unless you're intending to. It is. But it's not like, oh, it's like on the way somewhere. It's just out there, right? And so uh, we were driving into this, what to us seemed like a village. Um, and uh, we met some people and we're in a, in a church that weekend and um, they are without a pastor. And what hit us was this. What surprised us the most is, is not what happened in that weekend there, but what happened in our hearts. Because as we left, the Lord began to speak to our hearts and call us to Clarkston. And we weren't looking for that. I think we were kind of going to check things off our list. Um, So, this is a hard announcement. The reason for the tears, obviously, isn't because (laughs) um, we don't like what the Lord is calling us to. It's because... We grieve what he is taking us from. And so, in anticipation of this day, I bought stock in the Kleenex company. (laughs) Okay. This stool was for Yvonne, and and she is, I told her she could come up or not, and... uh, um, 
She probably could if I could hold it together. And I can't even hold it together. Um, so, it's surreal because the Lord has given us a vision for life spring. And uh, here's what I do know. Here's what I do know. Is that every time there's been a change in this church, the Lord has always, whether it's been a pruning or whatever... The Lord is tending his garden. I completely believe, without a doubt, that if he is calling us there, and he is calling us to a place that he is calling to life spring, to growth and health, and I really do believe that life spring's best days are ahead of her. I really do. Because I see that life spring, it, we are at our, our healthiest point ever. I see us reproducing a church and not too, too far down the line. Planting a church. I see some of you going out uh, and serving in other communities and blessing and pastoring and missionaries. And I believe that what the Lord is doing here is so much bigger than any vision that Yvonne and I might have had 11 years ago. Where are we heading and why? One of the things the Lord called us to in this season is there's a church over there that not only is without a pastor, but they are devastated. Um, They went through a horrible church split this year. Some really painful things happened. Uh, a church that's nearly, well, not nearly, it is, financially bankrupt. Um, they can't even afford a pastor. And yet, um, we believe by faith that the Lord is leading us there, uh, maybe to, to replant a church similar to maybe what we did here. And so, um, we're, to us, we're going on a missionary journey. Um, and we are asking our LifeSpring family to send us. Um, I've been processing this for a while. You're just getting the news, and I can only imagine how it must feel. Because um, we love all of you, and I know that you love our family as well. Um, it's been my experience, and probably yours too, that it's, when you, when you go on a vacation or something, or like you, you, you go out of town for an extended period of time, the one who is leaving, it's much easier, I think, than the ones who are staying. And I recognize that. I want to just say, answer a couple of questions and, uh, that, that uh, you might have. Um, there's some questions I don't know the answers to. And... Um, you might be wondering, well, when is that all thing? When is all this going to take place? Um, we don't know for sure. We're thinking, planning that early in September we might be able to make the switch to be in Clarkston. And the next simple question, probably and naturally, would be, well, then who's going to be our our lead pastor at LifeSpring? And I don't know the answer to that. And here's why. 
And that is, uh, this is the decision of Foursquare, our district supervisor, Dave Veach. And uh, Dave has been in consultation with our church council and uh, to, to find out who would be, who the Lord is calling to be the senior pastor here at LifeSpring. And we may know that in a week's time. We may know that in a couple of weeks' time. I, I, don't, know the, I don't know the timing of that. But I, here's what I do know. And I trust my district supervisor, Pastor, uh, pastor Dave Veach. He is a pastor. Uh, he's been in my chair. He's an excellent, he's a good, good man. He's a trustworthy man. And he makes good decisions. And so whatever happens, I trust that the shepherd who shepherds this church is going to lead us, and I say us, into LifeSpring's best season ever. And I really, really believe that. How do we process change? I want to I want to talk just a minute. One of my favorite verses or passages in Scripture is from Matthew 14. And in Matthew 14, uh, that's the story of Jesus walking on the water. You know the story? And here's just the quick summary of, of that passage of Scripture. It's just this, that Jesus had been, and the disciples had been busy feeding 5,000 that day. They were tired. It was late. Jesus said, look, I'm going to go up on the hill to pray. I'm going to send you guys across the lake in the boat. I'll meet you on the other side. Jesus wasn't planning to take a boat. He had another mode of transportation in mind. So they go out. The disciples do. They take off. It's, it's late in the evening, and, and they're having a, hard, uh, it's having a hard time getting across the lake because the wind is blowing against them. There's this headwind. The, the water is going to be getting rougher, and they're not making any headway. And about 3 o'clock in the morning, they see what looks like a ghost, and it's actually Jesus walking toward them on the water. Peter, of course, notices and calls out to Jesus, and Jesus calls back, and uh, Peter says, Lord, command me, and, and, and Peter jumps out of the boat, and he starts walking on water. And then Peter looks at the waves and the wind, and he freaks out, and he starts to sink, and when he starts to sink, Jesus grabs him by the hand, pulls him up, and then they both climb in the boat. And they get to the shore. The wind, or when they get in the boat, the wind dies down. They can now continue their progress toward the shore. And when they get to the shore, there is a needy crowd and a whole day's worth of ministry waiting for them and people who need them. And they heal the sick. And they take care of the lost. And they have an incredible season of blessing. And the reason I, I wanted to bring this story this morning is that what I'm telling you this morning, uh, I, I feel in, to some extent like Peter, the guy who's stepping out in faith. And I wonder what, what, I, what those guys must have felt like in the boat when Peter says, you know what, I'm going to jump overboard. And go hang with Jesus over here. And, 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 and to me, I, I, I see that much like you. Is, I wonder if they were 
looking at Peter going, dude, you are nuts. You're crazy. What are you doing? I, I wonder if maybe they, they thought that they'd been abandoned. I mean, Peter was the guy who was one of the, the fishermen, and he was one of the most experienced guys on the lake. And not only is he leaving the boat, but where they, need, they need a guy to row. So they're down a man, and he's going over the side. I'll bet some of the guys in the boat were like, hey, Peter, what are you doing, dude? Try to talk him out of it. You're nuts, dude. You're going to drown. We don't, they didn't have life jackets back then. Couldn't even throw them an ice chest. <laughs> no playmate, you know, with air in it. it grab on or a seat cushion. And so it's interesting. And, and in this season, I, I've had people try to talk me out of this. My closest, one of my closest advisors and friends is Pastor Burt Smith. And Pastor Burt Smith has said to me, dude, You'd be an idiot to do this. I think those were direct, his exact words. Don't, he said, don't go to Clarkston. Don't do this. Now, if you know Pastor Burt, when Pastor Burt speaks, you, call it, you come to attention. I mean, he's a former Navy SEAL. And it's like, yes, sir. And I listened to what he said. And one day I said to Pastor Burt, I said, why? Because I hadn't made a decision. And I said, why are you being so hard on me in making this decision? And I'll never forget what he said. He says, because if I can talk you out of it, the Lord ain't in it. I called him back about a week ago and I said, Pastor Bird, the Lord can't talk me out of it. Because he is in it. And I have to go when he calls. I have to. Because I've done the other thing before. And I think if I were to stay, it would be bad for me. Bad for you. Because he's got something else planned here, and he's got something amazing planned there. You know, I wish that being in the center of the Lord's will was a little easier. You know those guys in that boat and they're rowing on that lake? You know where they were? They were exactly where Jesus told them to be. I mean, why did Jesus pick that night to, to walk on water? Why didn't he wait for a beautiful bluebird day with the water, you know, like water ski day, you know, perfect flat calm? But no, Jesus decides to show off and pick a stormy night with the wind and these guys aren't making any headway. Why would he do that? I think there was one of the stupidest things that has ever been said, and it's this, that the safest place to be is in the center of God's will. And I'll tell you why I say that's a stupid thing. Because I don't think that was ever spoken by one of the martyrs that was beheaded, who were right in the center of God's will. Because my experience is that the center of God's will is anything but safe. The center of God's will is exhilarating. It's the greatest place to be, not the safest place to be. It's the, it's the most stretching place to be. It's the most encouraging place to be, but it is not safe. It's downright crazy, and let's just face it, sometimes a little dangerous. And I'm not just an adrenaline junkie. Because I'm drawn to safety myself. I would rather cling 
to the boat. And naturally, but when I hear the voice of the Lord, I have learned and admire Peter, who says, you know what? Sink or swim, there's Jesus. I'm going that direction. So why did Jesus choose that night to meet them on the water? Well, think about it. If it had been a beautiful bluebird day and not the middle of the night in the middle of a, a brewing storm, would, they have, would he have had their attention? I think, very likely, if they were rowing across on a calm, flat sea on a beautiful day, they'd be drinking sodas, having a sandwich, put their feet up. Most of them would probably be snoozing while the one poor sucker is rowing the boat. And if Jesus came walking by, they'd all miss it because they'd be snoozing. But something happens when the Lord stirs the water. He tends to get our attention, doesn't he? He really does. Last summer, I was on a boat with uh, my friend uh, Doc Wynn. And uh, I was on Doc's boat, and we were looking, and we were having a good day fishing, and the wind comes up. And it's not just coming up, but it's increasing. And we're getting a little concerned. And the white caps are starting to form. And, and all of a sudden, our attention is, you know, we're sharp, and we're thinking about, Oh, uh, let's look around. So we were looking and checking. Are there other boats? We checked the radio. Is there a, uh, is there a storm coming? What's the, what's the forecast? We checked the GPS so we knew what our position was. We called some of our other friends that were out on the water to see if, you know, what their plans were and to let them know what we were doing. And it wasn't, it wasn't really nasty yet, but it, it was threatening. And one thing, and you know, we, ch- we checked everything, we, we, the GPS, the, the, the fuel in the boat, and we checked the horizon. I checked the cooler to make sure there was enough Chips Ahoy cookies. It's my only nautical cookie. I love that. <laughs> Where did that came from? I have no idea. But they always go with me on a fishing trip. So we're checking everything, and then we're looking at the horizon. And I think that's what's happening. On that night, those guys are out in the water, and they're literally white-knuckled, saying, what are we going to do? And they are, they, they are attentive to the conditions around them. And when that happens, you know what they saw? It wasn't a ghost. It was their friend Jesus, who had a plan that night. He was about to blow their mind. He was, just, he was just doing something that Jesus does. The center of God's will, it ain't the safest place, but it is the absolute greatest place to live. I want to just read the text from Matthew 14 as we finish here. I'm I'm just the the end of the story, verse 26. It says, When the disciples saw him, that is Jesus, walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. I love that. You've got to love Peter. You know, who, anyone but... Only Peter would would go, (laughs) oh, I'll do that too. I mean, really. So he he said, you know, give me a command, Jesus, and I'll come. And then Jesus says, come. That's it. Come, he said. 
Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Why is the center of God's will such a cool place to live? Because like Peter, when you step out of the boat, one of two things are going to happen. You just might walk into a miracle. Or it could be that fear gives you that sinking feeling. But you know what? It doesn't matter when you're in the center of God's will. Here's why. Because sink or swim, Jesus is either there to receive the, new, the, the courageous water walker or to pick out of the water the drowning s- swimmer. That's who Jesus is. And it doesn't matter as long as you're in the center of God's will. Because guess where Jesus is? He's right there. He's right there. And I love it. It says that... And, and here's what Jesus did. He climbs in the boat. Think about this. Jesus has just demonstrated his water-walking ability. The only person who doesn't need a boat is climbing in the boat. I think I might have said, Hey, Jesus, you know, why don't you just grab, a, grab the rope and tow us? You know? Johnson Evernrude Jesus. But that's not how he rolls. He's like, I'm climbing in with you. Can you make a seat for me there, John? Anyone got some sandwiches? And the wind dies down. And the seas are calm. And everything is right. You know why? Because they're with Jesus. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. And they make this incredible discovery. You know, they could have decided that night when they looked at the conditions that were brewing, they could have decided, you know what, Jesus... You're not a fisherman. You don't navigate the lake. We know that stuff. We're just... He said to go on the other side of the lake. Did he really say that we should get in a boat and go on the other side of the lake? They could have rationalized away and said, you know, that the storm's coming or the wind's going to be too hard. Let's just walk around. They could have walked out of the center of God's will. They could have done that. But they didn't. They did what Jesus had asked them. And they put themselves in position to see not one but two miracles. I mean, Jesus walking on the water, that's cool. But Peter? Peter? Come on, we know Peter. Can you imagine the twelve going, dude, you could do that? Peter? Really? So they, they put themselves in a position to see something that they never would have seen before had they not been right where God wanted them. And then they had this profound discovery. You really are the Son of God. 
you really are the Son of God. You see, when the Lord rocks our boat a little bit and gets our attention, changes the game up a little bit, I think he's a little bit of a show-off. And he, he's totally in his right to show off. And here's why. Because he's God. And he wants your attention. And you need to give him your attention. And every time you get to be a part of something where God is changing, and you get to see a new dimension then of what God can do. Do you know their list of what's possible and what's not? They checked off at least two things that night. (laughs) In the impossible column, it was walking on water. And in the super impossible column, Peter walking on water. And they put those in the column of possible. And over those three years walking with Jesus, guess what? The not possible column, there wasn't anything left in it. That's part of this process of walking with Jesus. Why do I say that? You know what? Because I know Jesus saw this moment long before I did. And I know that he's in charge. And so we have an adventure ahead of us. A really difficult job ahead of us. We covet your prayers. And I rest assured, you have ours. It's my prayer that maybe one day these two churches, if not soon, become sister churches. I'm praying for missions teams from Edgewood (laughs) to come over and show us how to do a vacation, Christmas vacation camp. Someone say amen. All right. Whoever said amen, you're signed up. Um, Did you want to say anything? No. Well, certainly not a day that I looked forward to. Um, Certainly not one I envisioned 11 years ago. When we had our first public service in a community center in Fife. Huh. But you know, I have seen the Lord do some amazing things in your lives, my life. He's grown our faith. He has brought pastors and leaders and servants and all kinds of things. By the way, um, I've told you everything I know that about this process. That just I'm trying not I'm not hiding anything. I really we really have been overcome by the Lord in a very profound way, and feel like now to not go would be disobedient. But you may have some questions, and that's totally normal because you're just hearing this. I'm gonna, we're going to hang out here at Juan and I will this morning and uh, come talk to us. Ask us a question. And I'm going to invite the worship team to come up right now.
And uh, we're going to sing a song. And the song that we're about to sing is, again, going to express our faith and our trust in the name of Jesus. And I just invite you to press through whatever emotion you're feeling right now. Because ultimately this isn't about us. And it's not even really ultimately about you. It's what the Lord is doing in this moment. And let's stand and let's just sing this together. Let's sing the second verse. Jesus, you know.